Welcome to Raw and Order. I, of course, am Detective Mark Smarts, and I'm not joined today by my partner in crime-fighting DA Vincent K. Fabe. Fortunately, nope. host of Real Talk Radio, Justin LeBlanc, is here to pick up the slack. What up, brother? I am here. I am here. The witness is back. And, uh, you know, unfortunately, uh, K- uh, Officer K. Fabe cannot be here. But uh, I'm here to fill in and to talk about this horrendous pay-per-view. Yeah. Yeah, this week, instead of doing crimes, which there were plenty and we could spend a whole episode talking about them, we're instead really going to talk about our disappointment in Teal's. Which is a crime on its own yeah. anyway. Well, so it's a yeah. it's a two for one or two bo- two birds, one stone kind of deal, you know? I mean, the last pay-per-view of the year way they kind of go out with a bang and they kind of went out with a whimper. So with a, but, with a flare, like a WCW firework flare that yeah. they would use back in like 96 kind of deal. Pew, pew, Like, wow. Pew. Oh. So... Now, it wasn't all bad, and so we're, we're going to start with one of the good ones. On the kickoff show, there was Humberto Carrillo versus Andrade. And, I mean, both of these people are phenomenal wrestlers. We just know that. Mm-hmm. So we knew it was going to be probably a good match, and it was. Um, the only downside to it <clears throat> simply comes down to the fact that, I mean, we've seen this match like three times in the last month. You know what I mean? Right. Um, Which is probably why it was on the pre-show. Yeah. But it was still a good match. Went back and forth, back and forth. And, uh, uh, you know, in the end, Carrillo picked up the victory. uh, Teasing some more uh, breakup between uh, Carrillo and, excuse me, Andrade and Zelina Vega. Which I'm not sure if I'm completely down with that concept. Like, what else are they going to do with, like, what? Like Andrade needs a mouthpiece, you know what I mean? He he's a phenomenal wrestler. Selena Vega is doing that for him. I don't know why they would want to break this up. I I don't know either. And um, and like you say, I mean, unless they've got like real plans for Selena Vega in the women's division, mm. um, which she is a uh, quite accomplished women's wrestler in her own right. Um, right. She she even uh, what was it? Uh, has she wrestled? Oh yeah, um, she was big in TNA in uh, the early 2010s. Um, oh, she wrestled. Okay. I believe her ring name was Rosita. She was part of a, a tag team and, and a stable there. Um, but so I mean, she's got wrestling skills and everything. Uh, I don't know if she's uh, Charlotte Flair level. Um, but not many women are, you know, in the entire world. There's probably less than a dozen women that you would put near Charlotte Flair in overall uh, ring skill, right? Mm, of course. Um, and a bunch of them already work for WWE. Um, but there are also other ones like uh, arguably like Tessa Blanchard, uh, Jordan Grace might be up there to some people. Um, uh, some of the people in AEW might be up there. Um, but, but, you know, you got Charlotte Flair, Becky Lynch, uh, you know, I don't know. Anyways, so, I mean, maybe they have a plan to kind of put her in the women's division and beef up that division a bit. I don't know. Um, but, um, the one thing I hope they don't do with her is stick her with, uh, Alistair Black, who is her in real life husband, uh, I think you could just say real life husband. I feel like in real life husband kind of makes it sound like it's still a reality show or something. Well, it kind of is. That's precise. Uh, but, but it's yeah. real life. It's but, legit. 
they but, were but they yes. are married, no? <laughs> IRL, they are married. And uh and so but I kind of don't want to see them together. I mean, we've done that too many times. Uh, right. and, and what are you local... going to do with Andrade? Put him put him with uh Charlotte? Like what the like what's yeah. that idea? That's going to ruin both of them. Yeah, exactly. So, so let's kind of stay away from that WWE. If you're listening to us, Ixnay on the Zelina Vega and Alistair Black A. At the same time, I wouldn't mind them keep going with that with Umberto and then thus making it so where maybe Selena goes with Umberto for a bit and then she turns on Umberto and thus makes her like a, I don't know what they would do, but make her like a, a crazy heel in that regard. Almost, uh, almost a Lashley situation, but I feel, I feel though, hold on. I feel that it would be a tad bit better because I like, um, Andrade and Zelina's chemistry with how they're arguing. You know what I mean? He's the bad boyfriend. He's always fed up of her. He just leaves and so on. He makes her feel bad. So she's playing that sympathy card. Umberto comes in. Hey, I can help you out. Da, 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 da. Like, you don't need a man like that. Thus, that's why I feel like this feud is still going to continue. And honestly, I'm thinking either what's February's pay per view? Um, Elimination Chamber? Yeah, Elimination Chamber. Or, or or maybe they'll just string it on to, like, WrestleMania, unless they do, like, a, I don't know. I feel like they're going to continue that. I don't know what else they would be doing with both of them. I swear to God, if he does, if Umberto does something with AJ again, I'm going to flip. Yeah, I, uh, I really, really was tired of seeing that match, too, so entertaining and great but at the same time there wasn't much story to go with it so it was kind of pointless umberto and andrade at least have a little story going on um but it's slowly getting stale but they can still kind of pick it up yeah yeah i don't know it's just i don't know what they're doing with it and uh curse you for bringing up rusev and lana and lashley because i know already know we're gonna talk about them a bit later and i was just hoping that that was gonna be all we talked about them um Mm. but we will move on second match of the pay-per-view um was the ladder match for the smackdown tag champions new day versus the revival uh which uh new day picked up the win um kind of a, a big spot at the end where uh kofi and um dawson yep yeah dawson was uh up at the top of the uh, side-by-side ladders fighting over who could get the the thing and kofi was able to knock the ladder over with dawson on it and then get the belts to win it so um but it was a good match um you know you get two teams that are quite capable of carrying a match to to a a a match you know a plus rating um, and especially with the New Day, their abilities in, in high-impact matches like ladder matches is almost I find unmatched. them better. I find New Day, when you put a ladder in the ring with them, they, like, honestly going into this match is like, oh, like, they're both, they're all four of these guys are phenomenal. Cool, there's a ladder, maybe it'll be good. But then I just see the, how the New Day works, you know what I mean, when it comes to having ladders in play, and... It's just nonstop entertainment, to be honest with you. Like this match, I thoroughly enjoyed. It's just I wanted more of a story to go with it. That's the only thing that was kind of missing for me to even care a little bit more. Yeah, yeah. It was kind of one of those matches that 
Just well, put we, we can kind of go back and, and uh, talk a little bit really quickly about how WWE uh, definitely deserves a lot of uh, crap for how little uh, they uh, promoted matches for this. Well, you got to also keep in mind, though, this wasn't supposed to be uh, Dawson. This wasn't supposed to be the revival in that mm-hmm. match. It was supposed to be Bobby Roode and Ziggler right Mm -hmm. but so you gotta also give them props there too you can crap on them all you want but they did have to also do a switch up quick quick uh because bobby Roode was uh suspended for 30 days and so you know they had to do something and they certainly used the revival there and it was a decent match it's just i don't know if Bobby Roode and Ziggler would have been, eh, I don't know. They're both good wrestlers too. They're but both good wrestlers. He, here's my thing: is um, all the reports I've read say that the uh, failed drug test that Bobby Roode got suspended over was like almost two months ago. They sat on the results of that failed drug test and booked him into stuff for a month and a half before finally deciding, well, we have to suspend him. And then they did that a week before a pay per view. So. Mm. That's a little suspicious. To is me. that legit though, or is that still technically rumored? Um, it's it's technically rumored, but it's from sources that have uh, that a lot of credibility. Yeah. Okay. Um, and and I mean that's kind of the thing is you know in, in the end it's neither here nor there though that specific because still going in when uh, DFA and I were recording uh, the FBI episode Tuesday night. At that point, there was still only two matches announced for this pay-per-view, and it was five days away, you mm. know? Um, and yeah, I know they still had a SmackDown on Friday, and maybe that's throwing things into a loop because they feel like they don't want to announce too many matches before the SmackDown uh, shows. But but the simple fact is, if you want the audience to be excited about a pay-per-view, uh, you've got to give them time. To, you've got to give them time yeah. to know what's going on. We didn't end up recording a prediction show uh, this week because, like, Wednesday night, we still only knew officially two matches or maybe there was a third one announced or whatever. Uh, Thursday night, there were maybe another match announced, but we still didn't know the whole card or even close to the whole card. It wouldn't have been until Friday night after SmackDown that we would have known enough of the cards to really do a prediction show. And at that point, by the time it gets edited, uploaded, and sent out to all the uh, the podcast things, you know, people would have had maybe 12 hours to yeah. listen to before, you know, the show actually started going on. And that really makes no sense, you know, right. uh, or a prediction show for that. And that's part of the problem there is that, you know... I mean, I'm not saying that we're a big established podcast that uh, got a whole lot of influence over the business. Uh, we're not. We're new guys on the scene, but we're indicative of a larger problem. When What Culture and uh, Bleacher Reports podcast and uh, Between the Ropes podcast, you know, Cultaholic and Wrestle Talk, when all of them cannot do a true prediction show. Um, that hurts your ability to hype a product. You know what I mean? And there's no other of the combat sports in the world that does that, right? Mm, like That's valid. Like UFC, you know the majority of the card two weeks yeah. before 
three weeks. Uh, yeah, if not more. I mean, that that is signed, sealed, delivered maybe a few months even before. Because, yes. you know, they have to set it up, press conferences. There's a whole thing with them. WWE doesn't have to do that, right? They, All they have to do is promote it. Yeah, they don't. But that's my point is if they want to feel like a big league combat sport. And yes, we're going to, you know, cats out of the bag. We know that the results are predetermined in professional wrestling right there's no delusions in this podcast of of it being quote unquote real right except for survivor series 97 but you know move on yeah that was real 100 real <laughs> uh but the they want this to feel like that right so right. if you want this to feel like a real combat sport something then you have to treat it like that. And yes, card always subject to change. I get it, right? You don't have to advertise the exact card. You could have been, at, you know, talking Bobby Roode and Ziggler versus the New Day up until Friday and then did a whole thing, you know, a vignette where Bobby Roode is injured backstage or announced that he's been suspended for whatever, you know, whatever. And you can do a change and it doesn't hurt anything. But in the end, this whole let's not announce anything till the day before the pay-per-view, um, it hurts your ability to bring fans in. And I know, like, reports have it that Vince McMahon thinks it helps. That Vince McMahon thinks if someone's uh, just, you know, casual fan on Twitter uh, and then sees someone on Saturday afternoon, uh, you know, share the tweet match announcing that, Roman Reigns is going to take on so-and-so at this pay-per-view or whatever, that that casual fan might tune in. Um, mm. But it's at the expense of the real fans who want to actually talk about it and get excited about things, and they can't because they don't know what's happening. And Now, yeah, we had a good idea. Like, we knew Roman Reigns was going to fight Baron Corbin. They've shown enough of that. They didn't have to officially announce the match, right? But, like, <clears throat> this New Day versus Revival kind of came out of nowhere, for reasons, uh, the Aleister Black versus Buddy Murphy really only came apart, uh, came together in the last week or so. Uh, uh, well, no, I mean he knocked on his door what three weeks ago, something like that, two weeks you know, ago, two, two, three weeks ago. So that uh, I mean, at this day and at this rate, though, that's what we have to live up to. Oh well, they at least planned it three weeks ago, and I think that's what we're kind of seeing. We're seeing a pattern, at least the last few pay per views, where you know, aside, I guess, maybe from Survivor Series, but even Survivor Series, it was kind of still up in the air with NXT's team and so on. And they're playing it like, well, it kind of depended on the show, uh, the war games. And then, but that's kind of been the pattern. It's always been up in the air in terms of booking matches for their pay-per-views, the last few events. So yeah. there's something to say about the writers um and kind of what's going on backstage and what is really happening there um because for a product where you're supposed to be you know having bookings from like two three weeks already ahead and then you know of course as you're looking for for wrestlemania you should already be kind of planning things as we go and exactly. they just kind of drop the ball completely yeah. on tlc well <laughs> that's that's kind of the thing. That's kind of what I'm getting at here. It's, I mean, this is a company. Well, I think a lot of their problem is, and I've said this before, they're writing a show for an audience of one. And that's what it comes down to. The, the writers 
The writers don't actually care whether fans like a segment. The only person that they care whether they like a segment is Vince McMahon, right? So the writers are all like, how do we write something for Vince McMahon? Vince McMahon likes this whole concept of waiting until the last minute to announce matches. So the writers then choose to wait till the last minute to announce matches. But if you look back, and I know you weren't uh, big into wrestling in the mid-90s because you're a baby. Uh, <laughs> Whoa, calm down. I was at Survivor Series 97 when it happened in Montreal, buddy. Six years old, but I was still there with my HBK heart glasses. I know, I'm still ashamed about that today. Got my parents to get that for me. Uh, but no, look, I was a big wrestling fan. I was there throughout the Attitude Era. Well, what was happening there? I watched WCW, NWO, all that fun stuff. Um, but that was a great time. You know what I mean? For writers, completely. Part of what made it so big is they planned big storylines. Storylines that lasted months to take place. It wasn't just booking month-to-month pay-per-views, right? And the, the example that I'll always give for this, but they had Sting not speak. Sting, who was known for his fiery, charismatic promos and his big over-the-top uh, attitude... They had him not speak and not wrestle in a match for over a year mm. to plan for a big eventual comeback match against Hulk Hogan. Now, yes, uh, if you talk to people who were around at the time and you listen to the podcast, they screwed up the ending in the end, but they still had this plan for a year to right. do this, right? Um, and and yes, there, there are always going to be cases of things that came up in within the course of a month, but uh, both companies at that time got to be really big about planning these storylines that took two, three, four months to take place. You know, there there was a beginning, a middle, and an end. So there was a a start of a story, then a pay-per-view match between two of the people in it that would end in a way that would lead to a return match at the next pay-per-view. Um, that would end in a different way. And then finally, a third pay-per-view that would be the be-all, end-all pay-per-view one, which is what led to some of the big matches like the the, uh, first uh, major uh, ladder match, the first Hell in a Cell match. You know, these were all culminations of month-long feuds or two-month-long or three-month-long feuds, you know, where finally it was like these can't settle their differences in a normal match. We've got to come up with this uh, way for this match to uh, uh, hold them in a cage together, like Hell in a Cell, or mm-hmm. we've got, there's got to be a conclusive winner, like a, a a ladder match or or a 60 minute long Iron Man match, uh, which is still one of my favorite matches of all time: HBK versus Bret Hart for 60 minutes. Um, and those were all the culminations of feuds that lasted months. Right. And now, yeah, they do have some feuds that last multiple months, like. We'll get to it later, but Baron Corbin versus Roman Reigns looks like it's going to last another month at least. But it it's not being held on by good writing. It's just they said, hey, let's have this feud last two months. You right. Know? So, um, but so anyways, the uh, New Day versus Revival match was good. It would have been better if it would have been advertised in advance and we've already gone over the reasons that it wasn't. Right. Uh, I get it. Uh, but, you know, if those reports are true about uh, WWE ha- knowing about the failed drug test for months, right, there's no excuse for them not having this planned out in advance, you know? 
valid. No, it's I, there's something like I don't know, like, but that's why I'm saying. Then why, like, did they just not know what to do at all, and then wait for the last minute? They're like, oh well, we got to think of something. Did they try various different things? Um, you know, like. I, I know one of the Usos are in trouble and maybe that's why they're not being used now. But like, I think, you know, maybe bringing the Usos back for that title picture would have been a good time. I mean, we need something fresh at the same time, you know, like, uh, and then even the Usos might get boring after a while, but give me something or let's I'll, I'll i'll talk about the usos because i thought they were going to come out a little later on i believe you and me both tec- brother technically the next match i believe because that uh, was no no nope, it's not you got one match in between true but. which was alistair black versus buddy murphy very likely match of the night in my opinion which is very telling I mean, not necessarily very telling. These two are phenomenal athletes. We've seen Buddy Murphy just kick butt on Raw. Um, They don't give him, I find they don't give him enough time to really create a story in the ring, but you can tell he's a phenomenal athlete. Um, But yeah, great match. I think Aleister Black got injured though at one point. It very definitely looked like he broke his nose. Yeah. He was bleeding out the nose. His whole upper lip was covered in blood uh, by the end of the match. And he had a a very obvious cut on the bridge of his nose. So Mm. uh, if it's not a broken nose, it's still very, very injured. For Um, sure. But um, the one downside to this match, and it's not actually anything to do with in the ring. In my opinion, the big downside is the commentary on this kept trying to play it off like uh, Aleister Black's jaw was there like, Oh, Buddy Murphy going after that injured jaw. And you can easily see it was not his jaw. It was his nose. Right. And and that's just, that's a little thing. Like, just say it's his nose. That's say, it. Oh, it looks like he's got a broken nose. You know, it, it's, it keeps you in it. I feel like they keep messing up commentary in a lot of... Was it the Buddy Murphy match also on Raw, I feel? Where he did like a... He did like a like a splash from the ropes, and like he, I think yeah, because I think it was Ale- No, maybe it wasn't Buddy Murphy, but Alistair Black it was an Alistair Black matchup, I believe, because he got his knees up, and he just literally hit the mat, and they're like, oh, he got his knees up, he injured him. Like I'm like, no, no, he didn't. He clearly hit the mat. It was just a botched up mat. It was a botched up move move that happened there, and just call it a miss, you know. Yeah. Uh, and I mean, I get it. They're doing things in the spur of the moment. And when something happens like that, they have to do something to maybe either cover for it. But like you say, it's not the worst thing to say, oh, he missed on that splash. You right. know? Um, well, I guess they're also afraid, too, that the wrestlers are going to be, you know, um, uh, the covering it up, too. Right. And well, what if they he randomly still like touched his abdominal area or whatever? Be like, oh, I'm hurt. Well, how are, how are they going to call that? Right. So there, there's that one. What was it? Two years ago um, where who was it against? It was like Jinder Mahal versus someone. Kofi Kingston, maybe. Okay. Um and oh, I'm trying to remember who it was because I don't think it was Kofi. But uh, oh, it was Jeff Hardy. It was Jeff Hardy. Uh, Jinder Mahal versus Jeff Hardy. And Jeff Hardy went for like the whisper in the wind and absolutely missed. Okay. Uh, just flat out, out and like 
didn't even touch Jinder. And then there was like two beats, and then Jinder felt like he'd just been nailed by the hardest thing in the world. It is probably one of the funniest gifts you can find online if you look for it. Because it's just like, there's so much time in between when the move whiffed and when Jinder fell like he actually got hit by it. That, right. anyways. Uh, but so, but back to the match, it was a great match all in all. The, my issues with commentary don't take away from the fact that this match was a great match. Mm-hmm. Um, and so so now we've had uh, three great matches. Right. Don't get used to that, ladies and gentlemen. <laughs> uh, yes. That's it for this paper. We're done. It, you could have just locked it up at 845. It was done. Turn the key and you're, you're done. That's it. Go watch something else on Sunday. Probably go. go could have caught the Simpsons. I think Simpsons play at nine now. Yeah. So you would, be, or the finale for uh, uh, what's that crave show? I'm just trying to make a joke here. But a finale for that. Uh, damn it, Watchmen. Could have watched yeah. that. You would have been good. You would have been able to watch that. Well, I don't know. Great. And you watch that DVR copy of the Masked Singer that you, you know, recorded the other day, and you already know who gets eliminated. But it doesn't matter because. Anything would have been probably better than the last couple matches in this paper. Oh. Um, now, now here's the big thing. Going into this match, um, like our predictions, we didn't predict the pre-show because we didn't know specifically that sh- match there. Right. But like the ladder match, uh, New Day versus The Revival, I predicted New Day. Every uh, Both of you guys were predicting The Revival. So I got a point there. Uh, Alistair Black versus Buddy Murphy. Uh, I think I chose Aleister Black. DA Fabe chose Aleister Black. You chose Buddy Murphy. So you got a point there. Mm-hmm. And uh, for like the next two matches, none of us got points. We were all wrong. <laughs> right. um, and and so it it kind of led to a really boring uh, results for our our prediction contest. Um, but the big thing is. The next match, Raw Tag Team Champions, the Viking Raiders versus somebody, right? right. It was not announced. It was going to be an open challenge. Who's going to come out? Could it be uh, some team we haven't seen in a while, uh, like the Usos, which is what you and I thought right. it would be? Yep. Uh, could it be a surprise team, maybe from SmackDown, uh, come out and challenge and, and then maybe win and that be a way to get them over onto Raw, so like Heavy Machinery or something like that. Uh, could it be someone that we uh, didn't even think about or, or a new tag team put together of some people? Could, could it be something exciting? Could it be Could it be the OC? It was the OC. It was totally the <laughs> Right? And you know what? And then I'm like, why didn't I think of this? Well, like, yeah. You know, <laughs> I was like, oh, of course. This is not like, I don't know, some... You know, indie federation. You know, trying to surprise me. This is a WWE. Why not just I think of the most casual tag team that they could possibly do when they have nothing else? DOC. You know, um, and, and what a horrible match. Yes. What was, it was that ending? It was not a good match, and the ending we'll get to. Oh. Um, they, they, but the big thing is okay. So it started off, and they announced that there is this family. I'm using the air quotes. Family mm. who had won the best seats in the house uh, sponsored by KFC. 
And uh, so they set up a table inside the barricades here, so near the ring, with uh, this family of four that really didn't look like they were related. Um, but that's beside the point. Um, and they got to eat KFC at this table while this match hey. went on. They got to sit at this table that was definitely going to be somewhere within the firing zone for a match at a show called Tables, Ladders, and Chairs. Oh. Um, but but they're not plants. Don't worry. They're a real family. Oh. Totally not plants at all. And that nope. table is totally going to be safe through the entire match. Don't worry totally. about it. People. Yep. It's a lawsuit waiting to happen if it breaks. Yeah. Oh, geez. Oh, boy. So... So we, you know, the match went back and forth, and it's fine, I guess. But the ending is what really killed this because it ended in a double countout. Mm. How the hell do you have a double countout at a show marketed based on the fact that, like, the matches are all basically no rules? Gifford, it's not really like a uh, extreme elimination chamber or whatever. You know what I mean? But it's it's TLC. Right. None of the other matches did you ever have to worry about a double countout. Um, there was one point in one of the matches later where the referee was counting like there was going to be a double countout, but we knew it wasn't going to happen. Right. Um, but now it's just the double countout. Yeah. And then after the match, then Carl uh, Anderson got up and was angry because they, they lost to the double countout. Um, and so he grabbed the KFC table. Um, and fortunately, the family were able to grab the buckets of chicken off the table. Uh, but the rest of the, the sides and condiments stayed on the table. And he drug it over there and he set it up and he was going to powerbomb someone through it or whatever. But the mm -hmm. Viking Raiders fought them off and powerbombed Anderson through the table. And yay, a person went through a table at the show called TLC. So I know. they made it like it was a huge, uh, a huge like fest, like a huge pop. I'm like, really, guys? But it's TLC. Like, I expected that. Like, we all knew what was going to happen. This family was going to get ruined. Uh, the poor. There's no gravy for their chicken. Ladies and gentlemen, <laughs> that's what I was most upset about the match. I mean, that ending was horrible. The count out. It didn't make any sense. I mean, why is there a count out? This is why I think when you have. Was it actually announced as no DQ? Because it had to be no DQ because it's, you know, there's tables, right? Yeah. You're putting people through table. There was nothing. So if it's a no DQ match, that means it's no count out. I don't get why they even ever made this a thing. Well, I guess to make matches like this, maybe I just answered my own question, but it just didn't make sense to me. Yeah, no, it made absolutely no sense. And I mean, the only reason I can see them uh, having it be a double count out is they didn't want the Viking Raiders to lose. But they didn't want uh, the OC to suffer a defeat either. And so maybe they're doing long-term booking and they're booking this up to Royal Rumble where the OC will challenge for it in a real match and it'll be something. I don't know. But right now, this match was a stinker. It was a thumbs down. He, if we were doing wrestling crimes, I would throw the book in it. Yeah, straight up, straight up. Sentence to life for ultimate stupidity like you know being dumb shouldn't be a crime um but when you do a match on a tlc card and then have the ending as a count out doesn't get any dumber i honestly a two-year-old could have booked a better match i feel 
even if like someone got hit by a crayon and passed out and counted on the one, two, three. You know what? I'd, I'd much rather would have preferred that. That was you. You say it doesn't get any dumber, but what did we expect? This is the same company that had a uh, ref stoppage in a Hell in a Cell a few months ago. So this is true. So maybe that's why I wasn't all too shocked. But yeah. goddamn, Jesus. So moving on, we have an actual tables, ladders, and chairs match: hey. Roman Reigns versus King Corbin. You know the match that everyone wanted to see: Roman versus Corbin. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, I mean, this match I figured was going to be garbage, which it was. So it was it was better than the match before it, though. So this is true. This there's is that. Um, it's not saying much, though. Not but really it, saying it still much. ended in a schmoz, which I guess at least it ended with an actual victory instead of a you know a double count out in a TLC match. Right. But it ended with uh, uh, Roman Reigns basically getting overpowered by all of the people. And I mean, like, all of the people. Because apparently Baron Corbin has hired, like, 20 security guards for him. And they all ran out and kind of came out single file so uh, Roman Reigns could hit the ball in the stomach with a kendo stick once at a time. Um, It it was actually kind of comical because they'd come running down the ramp and right before they got to Roman Reigns, they'd all put their hands up over their heads so he had a clear shot at their stomachs. And then he'd hit him with it, and they'd double down and fall to the ground. And then the next person would put their hands up and get hit in the stomach. And I'm like, just don't put your hands up, guys. You don't yeah. want to get hit in the stomach. Don't do it. You know? <laughs> what are you doing? It, it didn't make much sense. But uh, but in the end, there were so many people there, and Dolph Ziggler was able to get in and hit the zigzag. And then the Revival were there and hit a shatter machine. And then Corbin hit an end of days on a steel chair. And then got the pen, and at least it was over, right? No. No. No, because then they continued uh, to beat on him a bit, and then it went to to commercial or whatever to get ready for the next match. And then later, we'll talk about it, but later they go backstage, and they're all fighting backstage. And Roman Reigns, who um, is the locker room leader but has no friends, apparently, mm. uh uh, still fighting all these people and that continued all the way until the end um, and it was dumb yep Ugh. dumb I don't know it's like uh, what do you expect like I wasn't expecting a, a credibly great match so I guess this was to my light like at least like you said it was better than the Smackdown match they had prior uh, but still pretty garbage the security thing didn't make any sense um, but then we move on to another matchup that honestly didn't seem so bad because the last two matches were just so horrendous. Yeah. It definitely was a step up, um, from the other ones. And, um, it wasn't actually a bad match overall. Uh, Bray Wyatt versus The Miz. Um, important notes for it. Bray Wyatt came out in his normal, like, sweater and and normal jeans and stuff and wrestled in that not as the fiend right Uh, and so uh that's important to note um it played into the storyline of the match where the miz was a house of fire and uh doing anything he could to hurt bray wyatt and bray wyatt was not really fighting back it was mostly just like trying to calm him down and trying to you know make peace with him and whatever Right. Um, 
and then and then uh, Miz would hurt him some more and hurt him some more and all of this. And then there was a point where uh, Ray Wyatt kind of changed and uh, kind of went a little crazy, you could say, mm. and was able to uh, hit a sister Abigail on the ringside area and then uh, went to went inside and the Miz got back in and uh, hit a sister Abigail for the win and then this is where it gets a little weird but the Fiend appeared on the video screen which until now they it's always been implied that the Fiend and Bray Wyatt were just alternate sides of the same guy you know what right. I mean? just split personality but now the Fiend is on the video screen implying that he's actually a physically different person. I don't know. Well, no, but I kind of like that, right? Because he's kind of crazy. I didn't mind that necessarily because he's like, oh, he's coming out. He's coming. You know what I mean? Like, I like that because he is kind of crazy. So I honestly didn't mind what he was doing there. And I was kind of excited for him to actually come out. I was like, all right. You well, know what I mean? Like, not him come out, but the lights go out, and then randomly we see Bray Wyatt, you know, the mask go on and so on. But I actually didn't mind that. I I would have preferred I would have preferred the hurt and heel gloves, to be perfectly honest. Like him holding and the, the hurt glove up to his ear, like it's talking to him. And then uh like him him go under the ring to get the mallet. Uh, but when he comes out from under the ring, now he's got the fiend mask on. Um, that's what I would have done, I guess. But obviously, I'm not booking this uh, absolute poop storm. Nope. So they went this way, and it's fine. I mean, I don't, I don't hate it. It just was confusing to me. Uh, but so uh, the fiend on the screen, somehow or another, he doesn't talk or anything, but somehow or another, Bray Wyatt gets the order from the fiend that he's supposed to go grab the giant cartoon mallet from under the ring. And he gets in and he's going to hit uh, the Miz with the giant cartoon mallet. And the lights go out. And when they come back, there's a mystery guy in the ring. He uh, unloads on... Uh, Bray Wyatt, and uh, then pulls back his hood, and it's a now short-haired and mostly clean-shaven, except for just kind of a, a stubble goatee, mm -hmm. uh, uh, Daniel Bryan, which we kind of knew was going to happen with the whole tearing his hair out under the ring sort of a thing, but... Um, right. Kind of surprised me that they brought him back this early, but it's fine. You know, uh, he got a huge pop from the crowd. People loved it. He delivered a bunch of running knees uh, to Bray Wyatt. And then he was uh, grabbed the mallet. He was going to hit uh, Bray Wyatt with the mallet. And the lights went out. And when they came back, uh, Bray Wyatt was gone. Right. Also important to note that The Miz was gone, too, at that point. Now, he could have just rolled out of the ring during the rest of the other stuff I didn't notice, to be certain. But I do notice for certain that when the lights came back on, not only was Bray Wyatt gone, but uh, Daniel Bryan was the only person in the ring. That you, so. I feel like the commentators didn't mention anything about that, though. So I feel like uh, The Miz was just outside of the ring or something. Yeah. Well, the thing is, I mean, they could go either way because the whole storyline with uh, Bray Wyatt has been him collecting friends. And so there could be a whole thing with that, but who knows, right? It was still a better match than the previous two. Uh, so I'm not going to give it a ton of crap, but that's because the previous two were crap. And the one that follows was also crap. It was Bobby Lashley versus... <laughs> I mean, 
I wasn't expecting much from this, obviously. Um, I didn't really, I had gotten a call at the time, so I didn't really know what happened. Was So there was nothing at all interesting here? I mean, not really. Like, Lashley beat up on Rusev for a while. Rusev beat up on Lashley for a while. Went back and forth. Uh, then it went outside the ring. There were shots with the steel steps and stuff. And then uh, uh, the kendo stick. And then uh, uh, Rusev got the kendo stick and beat up on Lashley with the kendo stick. And this was a tables match, keep in mind. And so there were tables set up in both corners. Um, And then uh, Rusev uh, set up Lashley uh, on one side uh, and he was gonna Machka kick him through the table or whatever. Uh, And then Lana jumped on his back and uh, distracted him long enough that Lashley could get up and uh, tried to spear him through one table, mm-hmm. and the table did not break. <laughs> so Lashley had to pick him up and suplex him through the other table. Right. But, <laughs> I mean, I'll give Lashley tons of credit because he tried to spear him through the table, and he noticed right away that table didn't break. And there was no, like, oh, what do we do now? Let's try to figure something out. It was just immediately he picked up Rusev and turned around and suplexed him through the other one. So he was prepared and I give him credit for it, but it was just, it was, I don't know, it was just a blah match. I don't know. I feel like you're also, I mean, that's it. At least you gave him his little props, two props, but um, so I guess since Lashley won, what did the, I was more curious about what the commentator said afterwards. Like, is it done? I don't know. I don't know. I doubt it. Like, the, the way they set it up, Rusev was all he was all happy that that Lana was now uh, gonna get married to Rusev, uh, to to Lashley because um, now I won't have to pay alimony if she gets married. Woohoo! I'm happy. Right. So why are you fighting anymore? Like like if I was in that same situation, uh, my wife was divorcing me and I'd signed the divorce papers and and all this stuff and she's with another man and what more is there to do at this point you know right just let it go move on go you know get a hotter wife and you know whatever that's it no because that's it and that's the whole reason well if i sign i'll get a match with bobby because it didn't make any sense for bobby lashley to win unless they wanted to just scrap it i'm essentially so um i'm thinking that's where it's going uh, just because I feel like they can't continue this on for, you know, like, th- and I feel like they're always still going to kind of hate each other just because of the whole Lana situation, but they don't have to make it a storyline anymore. They just completely messed it up. I agree, but so, I have a feeling it's going to continue. Uh, I just, it's like that, that like feeling that you have in the pit of your stomach. When you is it more than a feeling? Oh, I hope not, but it's going <laughs> to that then brings us to our main event. Now, keep in mind that uh, this pay-per-view started at 7, our time, my time, right? Uh, and this was 9 o'clock when the main event happened. Uh, that's just way too early for the main event, in my opinion. Like, right. This pay-per-view was... In fact, in fact, when this uh, uh, match, the main event match got over, I was texting with you... And you were like, so what are they going to have for the main event? And I'm like, no, that was the main event. Yeah, you know? completely. That was it. Pay-per-view's over. <laughs> because it was, yeah, it was like 9.30 our time here 
when it was over. And that's just... But so the main event was the TLC match for the Women's Tag Championships. You have the champions, the Kabuki Warriors, versus Becky Lynch and Charlotte Flair. The frenemies? Right. I guess. Mm -hmm. And so the story being told going into this was, could these former enemies and former friends work together to get their revenge on the Kabuki Warriors, who are dastardly heels and the champion? And um, this was not a good match. Uh, and and I don't want to take too much away from the performers, because I think they tried. But uh, Well, Kerry Zane actually got injured during well, the match yeah um well at least I that's was, what i read here so but uh here's the deal these people tried but there is a, an inherent problem when you have women's matches involving tables um and it's it's um mass problem it's a science problem to be perfectly honest it's uh most of these female wrestlers do not weigh enough to go through a table easily right right True. and uh Kyrie Sane is a perfect example I love Kyrie Sane as a wrestler she does some phenomenal stuff her elbow drop the insane elbow is probably my favorite elbow drop of all time right uh, but she does not weigh much and there is a point at one point she goes to do uh the insane elbow off the apron onto uh she had Becky Lynch and and uh uh, Charlotte laying on tables mm -hmm. and did not break. And that it probably was when Kyrie would have gotten injured because she kind of laid on the outside holding her arm after that. And that's just a physics problem uh, with women in, in tables matches in general. Uh, there was also, uh, shortly after that, uh, Charlotte went to powerbomb Kyrie Sane through a table. And this is probably why I think that she got injured in that previous one. When Charlotte went to flip her up for the powerbomb, Kyrie couldn't bring her back up to be parallel with the ground. And and Charlotte literally had to, and I'll give Charlotte a ton of credit for this, she had to, purely on her own muscle, lift Kyrie Sane up enough that she was on her shoulders and just power her up so that she could powerbomb her through that table. Um, well, actually, what got her injured is when Charlotte threw... I don't know, like a TV or something like that. But when she threw the TV off the, or whatever, the monitor off the table, oh. it hit Carrie Zane in the head. Yeah, maybe. But, but so, it's, you know. It's all on Twitter. Yeah. <laughs> that's fine. I, like I say, I, I'm going to give Charlotte a ton of credit for this because uh, a weaker women's wrestler would not have been able to have powered Kyrie Sane up into the proper position, and it would have been dropping Kyrie Sane on her head through a table. Right. And uh, Charlotte Flair uh, is a beast, and I mean that in the most complimentary uh, that I can with right. it. That she was able to purely, with force of will and muscle, muscle Kyrie Sane up into the proper position before powering bombing her through that table. Um, but so, anyways. Uh, it went back and forth, but it, like I said, it was just not a good match, and uh, overall, and it was overbooked in some ways, and then, in the end, uh, uh, the the Kabuki Warriors were able to secure the victory, and uh, retain their championships, and uh, that would have been the end of the show, except, oh, 
Remember when I talked about Roman Reigns uh, beating Baron Corbin and his goons up backstage? That comes out into the main arena and they brawl and then Roman Reigns spears Corbin into a bunch of people. And so the women who main evented the show didn't even get to stand tall as it faded to black, which in my opinion was probably the biggest like just bad taste in my mouth moment of the entire night. Like you go to all this trouble, you have women main event this, it's a big deal. You have some someone win and they don't even get the the uh honor of standing tall and ending the pay-per-view you have to have this corbin brawl yeah it was stupid it did not make any sense you not only just took away from your main event you continued on a pointless um feud which but that match was what two matches ago like uh, uh, you, you could have done something. You could have done something before the main event, where you're like I don't know, Baron Corbin left or something, or yeah. Roman Reigns speared Baron Cor- Corbin through a, a car or something. Like, yeah. it's just a lot of pointless writing has been well, happening lately, and like especially when you could have gotten like the Drew McIntyre Randy Orton match onto this pay per view. Yeah, well, and that's the perfect example. Drew McIntyre versus Randy Orton did not end up on the pay-per-view. It uh, reportedly is going to be on tomorrow night's Raw. Maybe, I guess. Who, who knows? Um, you uh, No sign whatsoever of Seth Rollins or the AOP on this entire pay-per-view. No. Um, and I know that they didn't have an official match set up, and that's fine. Uh, we didn't need a match for them. Uh, that's fine. But you could have just had them backstage filming a vignette or something. You know what I mean? That's it. Have them, have them do something. Like, this is your pay-per-view to end the year. Yeah. And, okay, I get it. I think there's going to be a Raw on, like, the 30th. Um, which, okay, fine. That's technically your show to end the year. But you're all, the fans are already going to know what's going to happen for the Christmas episode because that's being filmed tomorrow. Yeah. Right? So there's that. And then, like, this is your pay-per-view, though, to end the year. And then we have Royal Rumble, which is, like, January 26th. Yeah. So we have quite a while. And although I guess this pay-per-view is made to kind of end everything, which it didn't even really do to yeah. begin with, um... Like, I don't know. I don't know where their head is at or what they're thinking. Or literally, if they're not thinking, they're just literally going off show by show. And something's got to give. Like, it's not about pleasing Vince. This can't be pleasing Vince. What is Vince thinking? You know, like, I don't know. I It was such a stupid worst pay-per-view of... They're doing this whole wrestler of the decade thing of the decade. Worst pay-per-view of the decade maybe right here, ladies and gentlemen. Who knows? Maybe. I don't know. I mean, there's but, this is like WWE. There's a lot of probably crappier pay-per-views, but this one definitely takes the cake for 2019 for sure. Very easily could. Yeah. And like Bleacher Report even says their biggest question is they they spent all this to build more heat for Baron Corbin. Right. So why did they build all this heat for Baron Corbin just to have Roman Reigns get all his heat back at the end of the night by having the big final move, right? 
Right. It makes no sense. That just totally ruined all the heat that they worked so hard to build on Baron Corbin. So this whole this whole thing just made no sense from beginning to end. It was just frustrating. So many of the matches just felt thrown together. Like the Miz versus uh, Bray Wyatt match was obviously thrown together because they decided uh, to keep uh, Daniel Bryan off E for a little bit longer. Uh, they wanted to build it up for Royal Rumble, I guess. That's fine, right? And so, honestly, that wasn't that was the best writing of the pay per view. The Bray Wyatt, although the match wasn't necessarily anything good. That was the only good writing of the pay-per-view with them continuing and Bray Wyatt, um, Daniel Bryan coming out and now he's different. But then now what do you do with The Miz? I guess The Miz can go do something else. Um, but now I feel like there's going to be a... I don't know. Uh, like I don't know what they're doing. But yeah. that was the best writing for the pay-per-view. The, the Bray Wyatt uh, feud. Yeah. It's which just... is not saying much. Like you said, it's just so frustrating that this being the final pay-per-view of the year and they they just couldn't seem to pull it together and put... Like, don't get me wrong, I don't think every match needs to be a winner in a pay-per-view. You can have a match that doesn't exactly deliver. But a full five out of the eight matches for the night were duds, in my opinion, right? And you should have had more backstage stuff mm -hmm. to start you're feuding for Royal Rumble. Because yeah. yes, although you have, what, three, four weeks to do so, it, this is the pay-per-view. This is where people are watching. And this is where you're going to also get people to watch your product for the Raw and SmackDown and so on. Yep. Granted, all these people are going to watch it anyways. But this is where you're going to be saying, hey, guys, guess what? This is what's coming up. And this is what's going to lead to Royal Rumble. Take a look. But do they do that? Nope. nope. No, no. Oh. In instead, they're like, let's uh, let's have a crappy Baron Corbin versus Roman Reigns match again. And I thought competition was supposed to be good for WWE. What's happening? Well, it's good for NXT. So, and that's why that's why I can't really like sit back and say this is a WWE problem because it's not. NXT is absolutely killing it, right? Well, who writes for NXT? Um, it's different writers, but the biggest one is it's a different showrunner, right? Vince McMahon does not have any real control on uh, NXT. Don't get, me, no, don't get me wrong. He's the owner of the company. If he came in and said, I want this to happen, it would happen, right? Right. But as of right now, as of the way it's set up, Triple H is the guy in right. NXT. Right. So um, he is the one overseeing these storylines and overseeing the setup for the pay-per-views and all that and, and just killing it, you know, absolutely killing it. And I think there are a few things that play into it. And I think this is uh, something that we're going to see over the time from AEW as well. Because the NXT pay-per-views are not every month, uh, the next NXT pay-per-view is not until the TakeOver uh, before WrestleMania, right? Okay, right. So they've yeah. got months to build up for that pay-per-view. So their storylines all have to be built around building up three months or two months from now. You know what I mean? Right. Um, which is what we were talking about earlier about long-term story planning, right? This is not just about what do we do this week to next week. This is about what do we do to get from here to two months from, right? Well, they roughly have, what, a pay-per-view every three weeks? Dare to be? Um, yeah, give or take. But it's roughly a pay-per-view a month. Yeah, 
It's right? roughly a pay-per-view a month, but so that's not even a good excuse because they've done they've done more pay-per-views. They've done two pay-per-views a month with Raw and SmackDown when they used to do that. You know what I mean? And that was technically even better because they still had storylines from that and that were good. It has nothing to do with the amount of pay-per-views that they have running. Well, I no, I I'm not saying that the pay-per-views are the thing. I'm saying it's indicative of why uh, NXT uh, tends to be better because they're planning out longer. Because when you go back to when, uh, and this is something that DFA and I have talked about a lot, um, both of us, uh, I think, believe that they should go back to the split pay-per-view, right? A Raw pay-per-view, a SmackDown pay-per-view, and then the joint pay-per-view for the big four, right? Right. So Royal Rumble, WrestleMania, uh, SummerSlam, Survivor Series are the big four. Those ones are joined. And then the other pay-per-views of which there's approximately eight other ones you split them four of them for raw four of them for smackdown and then most of the time it's about two months in between pay-per-view give or take six mm. weeks right for right. a specific brand six weeks or seven weeks in between two smackdown pay-per-view six or seven weeks in between two raw pay-per-views most of the time um and then you're still having that pay-per-view every month but now it's a pay-per-view that's finishing up, you know, two months of feuds rather than one that was thrown together. In um, but I, I think the fact that NXT does their pay-per-views farther apart means that they plan their storylines for to last longer. And yes, you always have to be prepared to pivot. You know, Tegan Knox blows out her ACL again. We got to know what to do in that storyline or whatever. Please, Tegan Knox, do not blow out your ACL again. I wish you the best, and you're phenomenal. Uh, that was just the first thing that's jumped into. Uh, <laughs> but so, uh, so, and I think that's part of why uh, NXT is killing it. But I think the biggest reason NXT is killing it is Triple H, that it's not Vince McMahon calling the shots. Mm -hmm. And because of that, he's able to, to plan these storylines out longer and longer. And we've all heard the stories of uh, Vince McMahon coming in on the afternoon before Raw happens and tearing up the script and rewriting the whole thing. Right. And the simple fact is it's impossible for you to plan a cohesive storyline when your script is changing two hours before the show. Your right. storylines are not going to be able to be cohesive from week to week that way. Um, and that's part of where the problem is, I believe. Um, don't get me wrong. I am sure there are some times that Vince McMahon tears up a absolutely horrible script and replaces it with a slightly better script. But I would bet dollars to donuts that more often than not, he tears up a perfectly acceptable script and creates a worse script. And that's fair. But at the same time, if that's happening, splitting the brands isn't going to do anything either. Because we're still going to see garbage matches. We're still going to see not... Like, we're still going to see storylines that are not thought out through and through. You can easily do casual good storylines with how you have it right now. 
You yeah. don't necessarily need to put all your storylines on the pay-per-view, but maybe half. And you have Raw and SmackDown, so you don't have to do all the storylines. If there's certain storylines that still need to be built up, not a problem. Have them in a vignette on the pay-per-view or continue it on during the pay-per-view, but not in a matchup. Or maybe do a tag team match where you have two feuds kind of going on, but it doesn't necessarily give that one-on-one aspect. Do You can do different... Ver- you don't have have to take all of your matches of your storylines and put them on the pay-per-view and then it's all squashed maybe they shouldn't have done the lashley rusev matchup just yet they could have easily have maybe waited till the rumble and maybe have something at rumble because honestly at this rate i don't know what they're gonna do else do with lashley and rusev um, aside from it making it go to WrestleMania, because I don't know, like maybe they just wanted to botch it too and end it at TLC, but it doesn't even seem like that's gonna happen. So you kind of also ruin that storyline, although it was pretty garbage to begin with. You still ruined it even worse than it was already ruined because now it's just not making sense at all completely because Lashley won and why should Rusev care Lashley got what he wants now he can go marry Lana and yippee Kaye. you know like uh so maybe that's where that would end but I just feel like you know they kind of did maybe good with the Randy Orton and Drew McIntyre because I'm kind of interested in that story and although they haven't really done much and they were on Raw all the time, they still need some kind of development to really get me intrigued to what's going to go on there. But it's not a brand issue at all. No, it's not specifically a brand issue. That's why my uh, when I talk about splitting the pay-per-views, that's just part one of the plan. Part two of the plan is getting Vince McMahon out of creative control but stop it's not happening it's it's not happening he's vince mcmahon he's he's gonna he's gonna do what he wants that's certainly not happening but i'm just vince has done better stuff though like i don't get i feel like this might be a paul Heyman thing well paul Heyman is the other thing and i've said this before that um this bobby lashley uh lana storyline this is 100 a paul Heyman thing and and it, it needs to not be done, right? Right. But Vince has done better things in the past, right? But Vince also is getting older. Uh, he has a lot of things on his plate. He's splitting his time between the XFL and WWE. Um, but I think the biggest one is just he's getting older and he's lost touch with what fans actually want. And that's why I know that he's not going to step aside willingly. Uh, but he needs to, and that's just really what it comes. But mm. like, when, when you look at this this night, right? I'm gonna read a couple names uh, here uh, that were not involved in this pay per view at all. Some of them, despite the fact that that people from their own stable were involved, they were AJ Styles, not seen at all. Uh, Brock Lesnar, the champion for for Raw, not seen at all. Um. Drew McIntyre, not at all. The Usos, not seen at all. Kevin Owen, not seen at all, right? Right. Uh, The Street Profits were seen in a backstage vignette at one point, but not seen out and about. What were they doing? 
Uh, they were just doing their their typical banter, talking about what's coming up, sort of a thing. Like, oh, okay. oh can't believe we're gonna have a TLC match with these people. Ah, what up, fam? You know. Um, but that's that's really not using their talent. I mean, yeah, they're great speakers, but they're also great wrestlers. Put them in. They could have been the surprise opponents for the Viking Raiders. You yeah. know. But I had no problem. Well, then um, again, that's it. I don't know. Like the Viking Raiders are good, but I'm also bored of them. I'm bored of them being champions. Like so, I don't care. Yeah. You Continuing know? Like, that, we didn't see Randy Orton. We mentioned that. Right. Uh, we mentioned that we didn't see Drew McIntyre. We didn't see Ricochet. Uh, right. Damn. Samoa Joe is injured. He was on commentary. So Which is always that, amazing. But we didn't and see I feel Seth like Rollins. Yeah. Right. Didn't and so Seth that's Rollins. just going down the Raw roster. And most of the biggest stars from Raw, we did not see on this pay-per-view, right? Uh, going over to the SmackDown roster, right? Um, Braun Strowman's apparently injured, so we give him a pass, right? Mm-hmm. For not being... Uh, uh, we didn't see Drake Maverick, but that's fine. He still <laughs> deserves to be on there, but... Elias? Yeah, we didn't see Elias as far as... I, I mean, maybe went across the back or whatever. I don't know. Mm. Um, we didn't see Mustafa Ali, <laughs> uh, which really could have made sense. Um, we didn't see Sami Zayn. We didn't see Shinsuke Nakamura. Right. Um, I don't believe we saw Cesaro. Uh, we didn't see Shorty G. You know, we didn't see Alexa Bliss. Yeah. Um, yeah. Or Lacey Evans. Or Lacey Evans. Or Carmella. Right. Uh, or Bailey. To be perfectly honest, or Sasha Banks. <laughs> right. You know? These are all big names in your company. People that you as a company tell us are people we're supposed to care about. And you didn't even give them a spot. Right. You know, just to, to show up and and like Bailey could have just delivered a promo backstage, patted on her belt and said, I am the SmackDown women's champion and no one's gonna be able to beat me. Roll on. We're like, why didn't you just do like just some decent matches. If you're going to throw stuff together, throw like a six-way woman ladder match or, you know, like just throw some stuff together that would have been an entertaining product. Like you should have, in reality, they should have kept all those storylines. Well, then I guess you can't really keep it for the Rumble. But you had Bray Wyatt continuing on for the Rumble. You could have done something there. Um, you know, maybe The Miz fights someone else and then Bray Wyatt comes and does something to The Miz and you have Daniel Bryan return. Like, this doesn't make anyone look bad. Boom! You have Daniel Bryan and, uh, you have Daniel Bryan and Bray Wyatt go for Rumble. The Miz could have fought, I don't know, um, Rick, uh, no, that's, uh, The Miz is where? He's on SmackDown? Right. Uh, the, yeah. The, yeah. <laughs> you could have had the Miz fight someone else for or do something. You know what I mean? Put more of your talent on. Well, like we said, the show ended uh, about half an hour earlier than it usually would have, right? So it's not like you didn't have time to feature some of these other people. And I'm not even necessarily going as far as saying some matches, but backstage vignettes. Um, you know, I mean. Oh, you're telling a storyline right now on SmackDown with Alexa Bliss and Nikki Cross versus uh, Fire and Desire, right? Right. Right. So you could have had a backstage vignette where Alexa and Nikki are like, well, we showed up here because we wanted a match with Fire and Desire, but it looks like they didn't have the guts to show up to this paper. So we're going to be there on Friday and we're going to kick their asses. That right there could have filled five minutes backstage 
and made us feel like this pay-per-view lasted a little bit longer and was at least okay. You know what I mean? And, and that so, you're building up storylines for yep. your shows. Like, that's what it was missing. It was felt, it was just... I felt like a script was ripped up completely. Yeah, like, very well might have been. On Sunday, and I'm very intrigued to hear what might have happened. Because this was just a horrible, horrible pay-per-view. And yes. a lot of stars were missing that yes. should have at least showed up. Ugh. And you know, and, and, and then it just pisses me off because they mentioned things like the first TLC match was 20 years ago with the Dudley Boys and Edge and Christian and da-da-da-da. Like, I am sorry. Don't remind me of these great matches when 20 years later you're showing me a match with Baron Corbin and Robin Reigns. You know, like, you... It just makes me feel like, wow, well, 20 years later, your product is garbage. You know what I mean? Like, it's 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 bad. <laughs> yeah. It's... And that's where, like, it, it's just so frustrating. And, I mean, this is... I'm legitimately someone who wants to see WWE succeed, right? Um, I've said it before on the podcast many times. I don't want there to be a winner in the wrestling wars right uh, other than us the fans right? right i want aew to succeed i want wwe to succeed i want impact to succeed i want ring of honor to succeed because when they succeed it means more good wrestling for us right right there are people out there some of the fans who choose the side and are like oh i totally want aew to beat wwe and put wwe out of business first of right. all it's never going to happen second of all even if it could happen that's worse for us Right? Right. Because going back to the Monday Night Roars, let's just say hypothetically that WCW beat WWE and ended up buying WWE. Do we really think we'd be better off now with WCW continuing and no WWE? No. It would have ended up with basically the same schlock, right? Right. When there's no major competition, the product suffers. And I'd probably, honestly, like. AEW is not boring by any means, but I'm sorry if AEW was also the only product and there was no NXT and there was no WWE, I'd probably get bored too. You know what I mean? I'd probably be saying, guys, look, uh, I'm tired of all the spot fest matches. I, uh, at, at this rate, I'm probably going to see all of the matches. I'm interested in how they do the matchup changes and how they have tag teams uh, do single matches and so on and how good they're still doing with that. But if there were the only game in town, I would have already seen every matchup there was. I'm tired of seeing this. I'm tired of seeing that. So, no. One competition... When competition is uh, solely to one brand or one company, it's it's never good. And WWE has had that, um, you know, being the one company for quite some time. I... Don't count TNA all too much. TNA has been there for quite some time, but TNA gave us AJ Styles. You know what I mean? They gave us mm -hmm. Christopher Daniels um, and amongst a lot of other wrestlers who the WWE is using either well or not using as well as that were used in TNA. Um, the competition is definitely always good for everybody. It's just, I don't know. Just... And that's the deal. Like, that's what it comes down to. Is I literally want all of these uh, companies to do good, WWE included. And it's just really tough when WWE puts together such a bad product sometimes. Um, 
to 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 really root for him but i want them to do this was a weekend where some big stuff happened uh, in uh new japan they had uh some stuff happening ring of honor had their final pay-per-view of the year mm. on uh friday night i believe when they officially had it and then they filmed their follow-up on saturday uh, uh nwa had their pay-per-view i guess is what it's called uh yesterday uh uh, AEW's got some big announcements coming up this week, um, you know, for things, and likely some surprises, uh, although one of those surprises might not happen because it surprised it, uh, NWA yesterday. Uh, and that's exciting as a fan that all of these things could happen, and it's just, that's part of why it's so disappointing when... What happened at NWA? Uh, Marty Skrull showed up to challenge Nick Aldis. Um, oh at the end of the, his title defense. And that's why it's it's surprising um, and throws all sorts of potential wrenches in the air because most of us just uh, assumed that Marty Skrull is going to show up in AEW. And he still might. Right. Um, AEW has before uh, allowed wrestlers to wrestle in other promotions. Um, right. So it, it might be part of that talent swap. Um, who knows? But, like, I was fully expecting uh, Marty Skrull, who finished his uh, Ring of Honor dates this weekend, I expected him to show up on Wednesday. Right. Uh, on Dynamite. And he might still. But just the surprise of him walking out in NWA, absolutely shocking. Like, right. did not see that coming. And it's going to be a heck of a match. Nick Aldis is a phenomenal wrestler. And I love Marty Skrull. It's going to be a great match when that happens. We'll see what's, what's and, gonna but happen. That's also what might it might make it even crazier too, right? Because now everyone's like, oh well he won't show up to AEW, but maybe he will. Yeah. You know what I mean? Maybe. Because by the way, did you I guess not, did you get a chance to watch the Broken Skull Ranch with Goldberg? No, I haven't. There's just too much stuff happening. That's valid. Too much garbage happening. I mean, mm -hmm. tables, ladders, and garbage. Yeah, I probably would have been better off watching that instead of uh, the last half of TLC. Yeah, no, for sure. I mean, technically, you couldn't have. It was after the pay-per-view. Yeah. But <laughs> note to self, invent a time machine. Go back, tell yourself not to bother watching the rest of TLC. Yeah, that's, uh, yeah, so I'm, hopefully it's good because the Undertaker, uh, interview was pretty spot on. I really enjoyed that. And, uh, you know, the whole Goldberg Austin thing, they talk about WCW and WWE mm -hmm. of when they were the big guys and how everyone wanted Goldberg to face Austin because they were the two big bald guys, if you will, and the two main guys of the roster never losing. So, I mean, that's interesting. I mean, the reason why I'm just bringing that up, because hot diggity damn, a hot, whole lot of garbage on tables, ladders, and chairs yeah. that just isn't worth talking about. And well, yeah. amazingly enough, we talked a good hour and some odd minutes about it. Yeah. Well, that's the deal. I mean, think back to 2001 WWE. Could you have imagined uh, the last pay-per-view of the year and Stone Cold did not appear on it? Mm. And The Rock didn't appear on it, and Triple H didn't appear on it, and The Undertaker didn't appear on it, right? Do you right. think that would have ever happened? No, definitely not. Definitely no. not. And I feel like they always, I feel like it was Armageddon back then, and I feel like the Armageddon matchups, we always had a Taker match. You know what I mean? It was always a 
it was always a crazy match with Taker or a decent match with Taker. Um, I don't know. It's just, what were they doing? Why not just bring some NXT stars or something? You know what I mean? Like, the Royal Rumble's coming up. We'll get it if NXT shows up. Because I'm sure there's going to be NXT stars at the Rumble. Um, you know, in that matchup, you could have built just... You don't. You could have just built for the Rumble, built for your brands for the Rumble. Ugh, like I don't know. They just so much wasted opportunity. Through and it started at seven. Why did you start at seven? Yeah, that's the deal. Is like if you weren't gonna go as long as you normally go, then started at eight. That's it. You know. That's it. Simple. You would have started at eleven. You would have finished at eleven. You would have been golden. Been yeah. Perfect. But no, you start early. You finish early. early. <laughs> Anyways, I, like you said, we've talked for over an hour on this uh, crap show uh, TLC, and uh, my blood pressure's up, mm. and um, I think we should just end this before one of us has, like, a brain aneurysm with the anger, you know, of this. So, um, on that note... Uh, normally, like I said, we would be doing crimes and we do misdemeanors and we do commendations. I don't think right now I'm in the mood to give anyone a commendation because it's night. So we will probably just end this uh, now. No, no, you know what? I give I give the fans accommodation because kudos to you guys who actually watched the entire pay-per-view. Kudos yeah. to you, uh, Officer, Officer Marks. Kudos to me. As a witness, I could have been witnessing so many other greater things happening. Now I have to stay up later and watch the Watchmen and stay up later and watch the interview when I could have just been doing all of that all along. But on that note, we will probably close the book on this episode. Um, you can always follow me at Raw and Order WBU on Twitter. You can follow Justin at... Real Talk Radio 8. My personal is at JLB420. The website is www.realtalkradio.ca for all my socials. Uh, if you want to follow me there, new podcast coming soon. I keep saying that every week and not do one. But life happens sometimes, and I assure you, I have some things in the works. Uh, should be a good time, so keep out for that. Awesome possum. Uh, of course, you can always go on anchor.fm and click the support button for us and help us out. Um, like I said, follow us on Twitter, uh, Facebook, Raw and Order WVU there. Uh, go onto your podcast platform and click that subscribe button if you haven't already. Go on YouTube and subscribe and give us thumbs up. Uh, go on Apple Podcast and rate our podcast, both of them, and give us five stars. Uh, it helps us more than you could possibly ever imagine. It does. That SEO's got to go up. Exactly. Give us those likes. But uh, as of that, we will close the book on this, and we will see you at the next one. Case closed.